Yeah, we're starting a new series. Uh, we're starting a series called Amen, and this, for the next few weeks, I think about seven weeks, we're going to be talking about this topic of prayer. And uh, prayer is a very interesting thing to talk about because for some of you, you're going to be like, yes, I've been waiting to talk about prayer. Uh, as a matter of fact, Kotz, I don't know if you know this, but I'm new to this whole church thing, and I, I don't know much about prayer. I'm, finally, I'm glad that you guys are finally talking about prayer because maybe you could teach me a thing or two. But there's another group of people who are saying, prayer? <laughs> I've been praying my whole life. I don't need to learn anything new about prayer. Or there's another group of people who are like, prayer? I, I, I'm afraid of prayer because the other day I was praying with somebody and they started saying some weird words that weren't English. And I, I don't think it was a language. I think it was just like in the words of Mr. T, jibba jabba. You know, so like, I don't know what, it, what that means. And so, you know, and so some of you come from more traditional background. Like we recite prayers that are written in a book or something. And some of you come from more charismatic background where you just go loose. You just pray and then crazy things happen. And I don't know, right? Everybody's background's different. At our church, we say welcome to all of you from either side. But what we want to do today is we want to take the first step in our journey in prayer. So if this is your first time here or if this is your first time in exploring Christianity or whatever it may be. This is a good day to be here because we're going to be talking about the very first thing we need to know about prayer. And as a matter of fact, I think, and I'm just taking a wild guess here, what we're going to talk about, even for you who've been coming to church for a long time or maybe been going to church for a long time and you stopped going to church because you thought you knew everything about Christianity, it, it might be surprising to you today because I might talk about some stuff that you're like, oh, I didn't know that. So I'm hoping that wherever you are, whatever sp part of the spectrum you're in, you know, beginner or pro, um, that we could learn something together today, and we could, at the end of, towards the end of this message, we're going to actually practice it. And don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to pray for somebody or like that. Um, no, we're just going to practice this one thing that we're going to talk about today. So, uh, when it comes to prayer, there's, you know, there's different styles, there's different, uh, you know, you know that it's been something that's been practiced for thousands of years, and I'm not exaggerating when I say thousands of years. For 2,000 years of Christianity and thousands of years before that of Judaism, people have been praying, and when we think of prayer, when we read the Bible and we re look at prayer, we read the prayers of people who came before us, we look at it and say, why is it that the prayer that we read in the Bible looks so different from the prayers that we pray today? Like the other day, my friend prayed for me, and it doesn't sound like, it doesn't really feel like the kind of prayers that I read in the Bible. And the question is, well, maybe we got this whole prayer thing wrong. Is, is, it, is, is that the case? Like, when I was growing up, you know, when I was growing up in Sunday school, People taught me, oh, prayer, that's simple, cause it's just, it's just talking to God. So talk to God like you would talk to a friend. And so that's what I believe prayer to be this whole time. But as it turns out, that's not the case. Just some of you are like, what? That's, what I, that's all I knew about prayer. Is, you know. So we're going to be looking at uh, several passages, but today we're going to start with Jesus talking about what prayer is. His disciples come up to him and say, hey, Jesus, teach us to pray. And he does teach him to pray a few verses later. But before he gets, gets into how to pray, he gives them this disclaimer, and we're going to be looking at that disclaimer today. So this is Matthew chapter 6, verse 7 through 8. Jesus says, When you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. What, what he's saying here is, when we pray, a lot of us, Christians included, okay, we think nothing happened. Maybe God didn't hear us. And so maybe if I just use more words, so you say, Dear Jesus, Lord God, maybe uh, I, I, I want you to, you know, bless today. And if you didn't hear me that time, I want you to 
bring goodness upon this day. And maybe if I use synonyms, maybe it'll work better. And, you know, and we pray over and over and over again. We're seeing the same thing, but we're just adding more and more words to it, hoping that this time God could hear us, right? And he says, that's not how you pray. Or for some other people, you're like, maybe it's the length of prayer. So if I pray, if it's like a five-second prayer, dear Jesus, help us this day. Amen. They're like, oh, you know what? That was so disrespectful because I was so short. I should make it longer. I should at least make it five minutes long, right? Maybe then God will hear me. Or he says, no, no, maybe it's louder. And maybe you've been around Christians who do this, right? They're like, hey, let's, let's pray. I was like, okay, Lord Jesus, I just want to thank you for today. And so loud because, you know, because if you don't pray loud, God might not hear you, you know? So, so, or maybe if you just repeat his name over and over and over again, dear Jesus, and you know, there's so many names for God, you know, like, I got to make sure I got every single one of them. He's like, you're the, the Alpha and the Omega, you are the Lord Jesus, you know, Father, Lord of creation, and you start naming all these names of God because maybe there's a better chance that, you know, maybe God today, he's feeling like he wants to be called the Alpha Omega, and he's just waiting for somebody to say that name. It's like, ah, there, now listen to this prayer, you know? And so you want to make sure you say all the names just in case, you, you know, you're not saying the name. Then Jesus is like, no, that's not how prayer works. It's not a game of maybe this time God will hear me. He says, people who pray like that aren't really praying to me because I'm not that kind of God. I hear everything you say. As a matter of fact, next half of this verse is this. Do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him. And I don't know if you actually stopped and thought of the implications of what Jesus just said right here. Because this is huge. What he's saying is this, that God hears and knows you already. And if you don't understand what that means, the next part, even if you don't pray. It's like, what? What did the pastor just say? Yeah, even if you don't pray, God already knows what you want. He knows what you need. He knows who you are. He knows what you're thinking. You're like, wait a minute. If prayer is talking to God, but he already knows what I'm going to say before I say it to him, then what's, well, the question is this. So why do we bother praying? Because when it comes to communication, right, what's the point of communication? So if I were to talk to my wife about certain things, I'm telling her things because I want her to know things. So I say, hey, I'm going to pick up the kids today. That's good to know. Thank you for communicating to me, right? Or maybe, hey, I'm feeling kind of sad today. That's good to know. It's good. Okay, thank you for telling me that. Or, hey, I think you look lovely today. It's good to know how you feel about me. Thank you so much, right? It's so that the other person knows how you're feeling, what's going on, what we're about to do, right? It's, it's to inform the other person. And according to Jesus, that's not the point of prayer. And you're like, well, you know, maybe it's just about spending time with them, right? Like, maybe it's just, if I just say, dear J Jesus, today was a long, you know, actually, he already knew that because he, he knows everything. Well, you know, I'm really sad. Like, actually, you knew that too. Oh, gosh, how, how do I, have you guys ever been in a situation where you're in a conversation with somebody and you just don't know what to say? No? Okay, when it comes to small talk, I'm really bad at it, okay? So there's this scene in this movie. It's only, I'm going to show you a clip. It's only nine seconds long. It's very short. It, it depicts um, the reality of how hard it is to talk to an individual when you run out of things to talk about. Okay, so here's take a look at this clip. Hey, guys. Oh, big gulps, huh? All right. Well, see you later. So that's how I feel a lot of times. I'm like, I'm coming to God, I'm talking to him, but he already knows everything. So what do you say to God when he already knows everything? 
hey God, um, see you later. You know, like <laughs> he already knows. What, what, if the point of prayer is talking to God, explain to him, sharing with him, and he already knows everything you're about to say, even before you say it, even if you don't pray, then what's the pr- point of prayer? What, what, why do we pray in the first place? So what we're going to do today is we're going to be looking at the history of Christianity. And we're going to be looking at some key people throughout history who studied prayer, who researched prayer, who looked at, you know, and, and he ex- experienced it and came out on the other side saying, this is what changed my life. This is how I see prayer today. And you're going to find out how consistent it is with what Jesus talked about. So let's look at, oh, next screen. So what we want to know is this, okay, that prayer is not solely communication. Yes, there is communication that's involved in prayer, okay? But what I want you guys to come, on with, come, up, come out with today is this, that the, at, at its essence, prayer is communion with God. Communion. So what's the difference? Communication is, God, can you hear me? Hey, you're up there. I'm down here. Can you hear me? I have so much to tell you today. What? You can't hear me? Maybe I should use more words. Maybe I should talk louder. Communion is, God is here with me. I don't have to tell him anything because I'm just here with him. And there's a big difference between the two. So we're going to be looking at, like I said, we're going to be looking at four individuals today. Examples of people who studied prayer, people who've practiced this prayer, and people who taught other people about prayer and came out on the other side saying, this has changed my worldview about what prayer is. So whether if this is your first time praying or you've been praying your whole life, I'm hoping that this is something that we can all collect around and say, okay, let's start, th- start here as our first step into understanding what prayer is. Okay, in the coming weeks, we're going to talk about how to pray for other people, how to receive prayer. We're going to talk about how to discern God's voice. Is it my own voice? Is it God's voice? We're going to talk about some ancient prayers, how liturgical prayers might play into our lives. We're going to talk about when we pray, does it change God's mind or is it changing us? We're going to talk about all that stuff. But today, we just want to focus on one thing, which is how do we have communion with God through prayer? How do we practice his presence? Okay, so first person I want to point out is, a, is he's a Quaker mystic, and that what that means is, is he's a Christian who really studied the spiritual aspect of Christianity. His name is Dr. Thomas Raymond Kelly. <laughs> so he's a professor. He taught other people in seminary about prayer. And for a long time, he was teaching people the New Testament and Old Testament. He would go through scripture and teach people stuff. And after a while, he started feeling some discontent. He basically said, I, I, I don't feel good about just talking about God. I want to start talking to God. And so he asked his seminary, is it okay if I'll teach my New Testament, Old Testament survey class? I'll do that, right? But is it okay if I also teach a spiritual discipline class where we teach and we actually experience God's presence? And the school said, sure. And he started doing that. And so he started doing all this research. And this is something he discovered. This is a quote from him. Dr. Kelly says this, The practice of inward prayer is a process of alteration of attention between outer things and and the inner light. Preoccupation with either brings the lust of the other. This is what he's saying. Let's just say you're like from 5 o'clock to 6 p.m., 5 to 6 p.m. is prayer time. It's me and Jesus time. That's that's for me. Okay, me and the Spirit, we're one right here. But from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. is work time. I got to do my work. So you're, you're like, okay, so for one hour I'm praying. Dear Jesus, okay. Next hour, work, 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 work. Next hour, pray, 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 pray. Next, and he says, when you start focusing on one area, you're neglecting the other. So I'm not getting any work done when I'm praying to God, but when I'm, you know, when I'm doing some work, I'm not really connecting with God. So he says, there's a problem. What I've discovered that there's this problem of alienating the other part of my life, and they're both important to me, right? 
And so he continues, he says this, yet what is sought is not alteration, but simultaneity, and this is a word that he coined that a lot of Christians use today, uh, worship under, uh, undergirding every moment, living prayer, the continuous current and back, background of all moments of life. So what he's saying is this. He's saying, instead of taking two, saying like, there's my prayer life and there's my work life, like there's these two separate worlds that I have to deal with, and I have to switch back and forth, alter, alternating between the two. What he's saying is, what I discovered is there's a way to merge the two together. Where we're, while we're doing work, I'm bringing my prayer life with me, and I'm actually experiencing him while I'm doing my work. So there's, and I'm simultaneating, if that's a word, I don't, th- I don't think that's a word. And so what he's talking about here is a very ancient understanding of the Old Testament. So I'm going to give you a little diagram here. So originally, okay, heaven and earth, and when you think heaven, don't think like where I go to after I die, okay? Heaven is God's kingdom, whatever God has complete control over, and earth is where we are that they used to be the same. So if you read Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, you'll know that God's presence and man's presence were one and the same. We were all living in the same garden together, okay? But as soon as humanity said, we want nothing to do with God, we're going to do our own thing, next slide, heaven and earth basically separated, okay? So, and ever since then, God's been looking for a way to reconnect with earth, meaning is there a way where humanity and God could coexist? Can we do that? And, and, and you read through the Old Testament, you're like, I guess not, right? Then you get to the New Testament, and a character named Jesus shows up. He's God in flesh. And what he did was basically this. He brought a little bit of heaven with him here on earth. So wherever he was, God's presence was there because he is God, right? So whenever there's somebody who was sick in heaven where God is in complete control, uh, there is no sickness. So Jesus is able to heal him. A person who's outcast from society in God's kingdom, there is no outcast, so that person is brought back into the fold of the community. And so wherever Jesus goes, he's bringing heaven with him. And as people who follow him and call themselves Christians, or literally what that means is little Christ, okay, is that we become a little blip on the screen too. We, we become carriers of heaven on earth also. So what he's saying, what, what um, Dr. Kelly was saying is when we do this thing called simultaneity, Meaning, when, when we don't, when we separate, what we, what we typically do is we take our life and we take our prayer life and we separate the two. What he's saying is, if we're able to bring prayer with us wherever we are, we're creating pockets of heaven wherever we are. So, if you like to work with your hands, you're fixing a car, and while you're working, you're always aware of God's presence around you. That means you're bringing heaven on earth to when you're working on your car. When, you have a co- when you're out having coffee with your friends, right, it's not like, friends, uh, you got to stop right now because I need to go and pray over there. No, 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 no. He says, while you're hanging out with your friends, you're talking about whatever you're talking about, just be aware of the fact that God is with you. And what's happening is you're bringing prayer and your life and you're bringing them together. In other words, you're bringing heaven on earth to that conversation you're having with your friends. Another person that I want to focus on is this guy. He, he, uh, his name is Brother Lawrence of the Resurrection. He didn't add the word of the resurrection. His friends basically say, "By the way you're living is so re- refreshing. We're going to call you of the resurrection. Um, his story is interesting. He, uh, his name was Nicholas. He was uh, in the 1600s. He, was, he grew up in a poor family. He didn't have much, so he decided to enlist himself in the military, and he made a little bit of income through that. But while he was on the war, on the, in the middle of a war, next to this tree that was barren, 
he felt this inspiration. He felt this warmth in his heart, and he was like, this is God, and he became a Christian. And after that, six years later, when he's 24 years old, so that happened when he was 18, when he's 24 years old, he decided to become a monk. Okay, I'm not saying you should be a monk. But basically what happened was, as he became a monk, he realized, you know, I spend most of my time praying in a, in a, in a big room. I spend most of my time reading the scriptures. I spend most of my time ch- chanting and worshiping and stuff like that. But I think there's something more I could be doing with my hands. So what he decided to do was he decided to be in, ch- beca- he became the guy that was in charge of cooking all the meals at this monastery. So whenever there's somebody from the outside who needs, you know, food, they're hungry, they come in, Brother Lawrence would say, I'll cook for you. And he'll cook something up, right? And he'll serve it. And some, one of the monks are like, I'm, I'm hungry. It's like, hey, let me cook for you. And he'll cook something up, right? That's basically what he did. And as he was doing this, he discovered a few things, right? He discovered this. He says, as often as I could, I placed myself as a worshiper before him, fixing my mind upon his holy presence, recalling it when I found it wandering from him. So what he's saying is this. As I started to do my work, I, find, I found my mind drifting away from God. And so I have to remind myself to bring it back to what I have to do, uh, bringing God back into what I'm doing. And he said it was a constant battle of, of, do I do my work or do I focus on God? Do I do my work or do I focus on God? And then eventually he found this simultaneity. He was able to bring his prayer into his work. Remember, at this point, prayer is not, dear Jesus, thank you for today. We're talking about being aware of his presence no matter what, and you're having this communication with God without using words, okay? And he says, when that happened, next slide, he says this, there is not in the world a kind of life more sweet and delightful than that of a continual conversation with God. Those only can comprehend it who practice and experience it. He says, I can't, I don't know how to explain it to you guys, but when I'm in that state where I'm actually bringing God with me into the world and creating this pocket of heaven on earth through prayer, it's like, I, I can't explain it to you guys, except it's delightful. It's just ama- it's this amazing feeling, and, and it's this warmth that I, I don't know how to explain it to you. You have to experience it for yourself. There's another character in our history that's more recent who's actually experienced this, and she had to put in a different set of words. We're talking about Saint Mother Teresa of Calcutta, okay? Now, some of you are like, oh, she's Catholic. No, She's a fellow believer. She's, she's Christian, okay? <laughs> Don't worry. Okay. Calm down. <laughs> okay, and there's something that's interesting about this story. And so uh, this is what happened, okay? So she was in an interview with Dan Rathers. And in this interview, she was, uh, Dan Rathers is like, yeah, you know, you're so popular now. And she's like, popular? Oh, please, you know? And like, yeah, and we respect the work that you're doing in Calcutta. You're caring for all the people. And so Dan Rathers said, you know, I want to know more about your spiritual life. So when you pray to God, what do you tell him? What do you ask from him? And he's like, I, I don't ask him for anything. As a matter of fact, what I do is I listen. Dan Rather is like, oh, so your prayer time is just listening? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, well, okay, let me ask you a follow-up question. If you're always listening, what does God tell you when you're listening to him? That's a good question, right? Her response, well, he doesn't say anything to, him, to me. He says this. He says, he listens. And Dan Rather is kind of confused, like, wait a minute. So you guys listen to each other, but no one's talking? Yeah, what, what's going on here, right? And Mother Teresa kind of sighs, like, well, and then she follows it up with this. She says, and if you don't understand that, I can't explain it to you. <laughs> right, and, and you're kind of like, I don't understand it, but I kind of get what she's saying. Right, it's this idea that when you're praying, 
in this, you know, here in this world, not, you know, I'm setting my sign, you know, that's my prayer time over here. When you're putting it together, you always are aware of God's presence, and you're always listening to him, and he's always listening to you, and you're like, like, what? It's hard to explain. This is why it's such a hard sermon to preach, because I can't put it into words, except quote people who actually experienced this. I believe that there's another character in our history that's experienced this too, and that is this guy right here, Apostle Paul of Damascus. When you put of something, it sounds more official. <laughs> it's like glory of Culver City. Okay, so, <laughs> so, anyways. <laughs> so he experienced this, and so when he was writing a letter to fellow Christians, this is like first century stuff, okay? Long time ago, 2,000 years ago. He was saying, how do I explain to you guys what I experienced, that, what I want you to experience? And so he says, you know what it is? You know, what it, the, the one thing I want you to get the one thing I want you to understand, because this is the ultimate calling for you as a Christian. This is one thing I want you to understand. First Thessalonians chapter 5, he says this. I want you to rejoice always. I want you to pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. The word continually there, and for those of you who don't know, the, the New Testament is written in Greek. The word there for it, continually for the Greek means nonstop, unceasingly. It means if there's an intensity that's attached to it, it never drops. It stays at the same level the entire time. Paul the Apostle says, I want you to have this prayer life that's always happening. Well, isn't that impossible? It's like, yeah, well, yeah, if prayer is a set time over here where you do your own thing, and then, you know, then yeah, it is hard to do that. But if prayer is just so well integrated into your life, it's totally possible. You could totally do it. And he says, and that's what God wants you to do. He wants you to be in communion with him no matter what the circumstance. It's like, really? It's like, yeah, but what do I talk to him about? You don't have to. You just listen. Well, what is he saying? Uh, he doesn't say anything. He, he's listening to you. It's like, well, then how is that a conversation? It's like, I can't explain it. You have to experience it for yourself to know what I'm talking about. There's another part in the Bible where Paul also kind of explains this, okay? And this is from the book of Romans chapter 8. Take a look at this. He says, we do not know what we ought to pray for, like, because, you know, he knows everything. What do we say to him? But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Now, for those of you who are reading this for the first time, you're like, so when we pray, we're supposed to go, dear Jesus, amen. Like, no, 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 that's not what he's talking about. We're taking this out of context, okay? The word groans there is mentioned earlier in the chapter. We're in the middle of chapter 8, okay? And in there, he basically says, you know, when when Jesus came, he basically started off this movement of restoring the world into something that it was meant to be right? And so part of us understands that. We're like, yeah, look, look at this relationship that's, that's being restored. That's how it's supposed to be, right? So you're starting to see how the world is supposed to be, but at the same time, you look around you, and it's like, but the world is so broken, right? And so he says, creation is groaning. You are groaning because you're like, I taste a, 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 l- a little hint of what the world ought to be like, but at the same time, I know that the reality is that we're not living in that world. So we're all groaning for something that's better. That's the word right there. So he says, in the same way, when you're praying and you don't have the words, you're like, I don't know what to say to you. He says, deep down in your soul, there's something groaning, saying, this isn't how it's supposed to be. But I know that's something better because they tasted it. The world is supposed to, there's heaven on earth, and, and I tasted it. I don't see it around me all the time, but but. I tasted it. I know the world is supposed to be better than this. I know there's not, there isn't supposed to be a wall between me and God. I know there's not supposed to be a wall between me and my neighbor and, you know, my spouse or my kids or whatever, right? But I tasted it. 
And I know there's something better out there because God told me that there was something better out there. And so now my soul groans. My spirit is groaning that. It's like, uh, it's like it could be better than this. So he's saying, when you pray and you don't know what to say, God's spirit comes inside of you and goes to the depths of your heart and looks for that one golden nugget that says, this is what you really want. And then he takes that prayer and he takes it back to God and says, this is what you're actually praying for. So next slide. He says, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Deep down inside, in the depths of your heart, there's, there's a part of you that wants exactly what God wants for you. And when you don't know what to pray, the Spirit goes into that heart and finds that thing that says, ah, there it is, the thing that God wants for you and what you want, where it matches up. I'm going to take that and automatically send it to God. So Paul says, I don't know how to explain that to you, but you have to experience it to know it. You just sit there, you just listen to God, God listens to you, and without words, you're instantly connected somehow. So, the point I want to try to make is this, that prayer through communion is called practicing God's presence. This is, it's, you, won't, you won't find these words in the Bible. This is something that Christians later on said. We need a name for this because we can't explain it, right? So we're going to call it practicing God's presence. And it's basically a time where before you pray, so if somebody says, hey, can you pray for us? We're like, dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for that spaghetti. That was delicious. No, 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 not like that. He's saying before you start praying, breathe. And remind yourself, you need to practice God's presence before I say anything. So, here are some tips on practicing God's presence. Number one, prayer begins with a reminder that God is always with us. Always. He's always with us. Now, notice I used the word reminder and not feeling. Because there are people out there, and maybe you are some of them, where you're like, oh, I just feel God. It's like, oh, he just tickled me. I just felt him, you know, like, right? I'm not like that, okay? Some of you are like that, and that's Okay. Okay, and I think in some ways we covet that. You know, we're like, yeah, that's so cool. You can feel God. Um, I wish I, I felt God like you did. But, the, but chances are, majority of us, we don't feel his presence. As a matter of fact, when you look through the Bible, you'll find more and more examples of people who need to be reminded that God is with them rather than saying, didn't you feel me yesterday? You know, they say, no, no, I need to remind you that God was with you that time that, you, that thing happened yesterday. So the first thing you have to do is when we sit in silence, we have to be reminded. We have to remind ourselves. Maybe some other people have to remind you. It's like, you know God's with you right now, right? You know you don't have to remind him what happened because he was there with you when that thing happened, right? You know that even before you say a word, he already knows because he's present. He's, you're in communion with him. So the first thing we have to understand when we talk about practicing God's presence is that prayer begins with a reminder that God is with us always that moment where you felt so alone, you have to be reminded, hey, I know you feel alone, but did you know God is right there with you? The moments where you're like, man, life, it can't get darker than this, can it? You need a reminder. In those darkest areas of your life, God is there sitting there with you. Those moments where you're crying and your heart is broken, you have to be reminded because you can't feel him, especially when your heart is broken. You need to be reminded. When your heart is broken and you're aching, God is right there aching with you. It's a reminder. So the first thing we have to know about God, practicing God's presence is be reminded that God is with us always. 
And the second thing that we learned about this is let God lift up your prayers. Start with that groan, not literal groan, but, you know, like you feel like something's not right, but I know that it could be better, and I just don't know what it is. So just sit there in silence and let God search your heart. Find that golden nugget that matches God's will, and he will take it up to him. And that's practicing God's prayer. That's it. That's it. Now, with practice, this changes a little bit. At first, we do have to set some time aside. It's like, okay. Okay, I gotta be reminded, God is right here with me right now. It doesn't feel like God's here with me, but I need to be reminded, God is right here with me right now. Okay, search my heart. Find that thing and just, okay, good, okay. But after a while, you might not even have to do that. You just wake up in the morning, you go to work, and the whole time you're aware that God is with you. Even though you don't feel him, you're, you're, it's just it's just infused into your daily life now, where you're going to work, you're, going, you're hanging out with your kids, you're hanging hang out with your friends, you're hanging out with your parents, you know, whatever you're doing. You're at a sports event, whatever it is. You're like, oh, God's there with me, God's here with me, God's here with me, God's here with me. And you don't need to have that, okay, I need to remind myself. You don't have to do that anymore. It just comes naturally. And that is what Brother Lawrence was talking about. He's saying, there's a point in your, in, your, in your faith where he's just so integrated into your life that it's just joyful, right? It's a delight. That's what Mother Teresa was saying. You know, when I pray to him, he doesn't say anything. I don't say anything. We just listen to each other. This is what Paul Apostle was talking about when he said, it's all about just continually praying, just knowing that he is with me every step of the way. And if we could get that one thing right, if we could just start with that, then I think our prayer life, if that's our foundation, I think our prayer life we could, that we build on top of that will just become rich and better. But it all has to start with practicing God's presence. So for the next few weeks, as we start introducing to you guys these new techniques and new you know, insights on how to pray, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to set aside the last few minutes, maybe two or three minutes, practicing it. So today what we're going to do is I'm going to ask the worship team to come up, okay? And, but they're not going to play yet. They're just going to come up so that they don't disturb you while you're, you know, while we're practicing this. You can come up, yeah. Okay. And in the silence, we're going to turn off the lights. We're just going to practice his presence. You don't have to say anything. Actually, I recommend that you don't say anything at this point. And for some of you, you're like, in order to experience his presence, I need to put my palms up. And if that's you, that's totally okay. Other of you guys, you can just be like, mm, yeah, I sense it. You know, like, that's okay too, right? But some of you, you have to do something physical with your hands to feel like you're actually symbolically receiving his presence. And so uh, what we're going to do is, uh, if you could turn off the lights, we'll leave these lights on just so that you know, you know, you won't trip on anybody. So I'll walk you through this. And then it's going to be followed with silence for a few minutes. And don't be, don't feel like you're, you know, it, you don't have to feel like it's awkward that it's silent because uh, that's the point. And then after a few seconds, few minutes, uh, the worship team will start playing and you can join in after that. So let's all close your eyes. Breathe in. Breathe out. And calm your mind. I want you to be reminded that God is here. God has always been here. Through the darkest moments of your life, through the most cheerful moments of your life, he was there. 
And now we're going to let God come into the depths of our hearts and search that heart. And just listen. Now you may not hear anything, and that's okay. Some of you might have received a word or an image, and others of you, if you received an image or a word, you're not sure if that was from God or if that was just a memory replaying itself in your mind, and that's okay. We're not here to analyze anything. We're just here to commune with God. You may not feel him, that's okay. But we have to be reminded that he is here.